is the 77 WABC minicast. Someone that has contributed a great deal to the study of sterlingology has been Joel Engel, a veteran journalist and author of many books, including Last Stop, the biography of Rod Serling. Joel, thanks for coming on the radio with me. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to you. That uh, absolute man... Uh, narration gave me the chills. Uh, same here, same here. Even though I knew exactly what was going to happen and what he what he says, you listen to what he's saying and you compare it to what's going on today, and there are just so many uh, parallels. Now, Joel, you have uh, more than one book on Rod Serling, right? You've got a couple. No, no, I, I have one. The uh, the title of of the edition that's out now is called Last Stop the Twilight Zone, which is a conscious echo of his next stop, the Twilight Zone. I originally published his biography in 1989, and I wanted to call it that, but I made the mistake of um, going down to CBS and meeting with a lawyer and asking him whether Twilight Zone at that time was considered in the public domain, the, the words. And he said, yeah. So <laughs> I changed the title to um, Rod Serling, The Dreams and Nightmares of Life gotcha. in the Twilight Zone. Gotcha. So if people... it's, it's the same book with uh, uh, minor edits. Gotcha. So if they see uh, two books by you about Rod Serling on Amazon or something, it's essentially it's materially the same book. It is exactly the same book with a couple words different. Got it. Hey, so what sparked your interest in uh, writing about Rod Serling? I know you've written about a lot of different subjects before, a lot of interesting stuff. Why Rod Serling? Well, it was uh, I, it was 1987, and I was home from work, um, sick. And in those days, in pretty much every big city and small city, the Twilight Zone was a strip show. You could at midnight and noon you could watch back to back two episodes. So I saw an episode that I had seen twenty five times before. It might even I don't remember what it was. It might even have been Obsolete Man. And I thought ah, Rod Serling. He must be really. Uh, he must be. Must have been a really interesting man. I'm gonna. So as soon as I was well, I went to a bookstore. Uh, long story short, I couldn't find a book because one didn't exist. Uh, then I went to, I live in Los Angeles. I went to UCLA, the special collections department. And it turned out that he had donated or his family had donated three or four or five boxes of memos and things like that. And I sat there and I read them for four hours one day. And I thought, oh, this is, this guy is fascinating. This would make a great biography someday for someone. And I went, wait a second. This would make a great biography for you. So I spent the next two years uh, researching and writing it. Well, it's interesting, you know, the fact that you couldn't find any other biographies. I thought to myself when I first conceived of doing this segment, I said, let me find the best Rod Serling biographers that I can. And maybe we can even do a panel of all the Rod Serling biographers. You were the only real biography of Rod Serling that I could find. So uh, thank goodness you added to the uh, to the uh, what, the collective knowledge of Rod Serling. Uh, let us uh, start with the basics. What can you tell us about Rod's early life, where he grew up, what kind of family he came from? What was young Rod Serling long before the Twilight Zone like? Uh, he grew up um, upstate from you in Binghamton. Uh, he had on the surface what was a pretty idyllic childhood. Um, he was uh, a, a gifted kid in a lot of ways. 
Um, his father owned. His father was a, a frustrated engineer, but who owned a meat market. Uh, his six years older brother was uh, already a pretty good writer and became professionally a very good writer. Robert Serling. He was probably most famous for uh, the president's plane is missing. Mm. Um, a- anyway, but he was he was a Jewish kid in a town that didn't have that many Jews and had a, a subtext or a, a, an undercurrent of anti-Semitism in it. For instance, he could there were clubs he couldn't join. There was a fraternity he couldn't get into, and all of that. Um, and so that stayed with him, and it didn't really express itself. He he always had a need to uh, try to prove himself, um, and people loved. People really liked him. He was he was ingratiating, and he was charming, and he was smart, and he was verbal. Um, but until he got into World War II, he was a, a paratrooper and, and had an astounding experience in. Um, um, uh, uh, in the Philippines, uh, there was a very long period when his his platoon couldn't get resupplied, so they were they they had to drink rainwater out of their ponchos, and they the the little planes, the uh, the Alphys that were supposed to drop down uh, crates of of food and supplies to them couldn't they, they weren't able to do it, and finally after weeks they were able to do it, and a crate that was bringing them sustenance. One of them landed on the head of his best friend, Mel Levy, killed him. Wow! And that, I, I, when that happened, and and then then Rod was in some some severe action after that. But that moment of irony, irony being the coin of the realm in the Twilight Zone, I think that's when that was born. And all of those things in Rod's life, all of them, the the stuff that he had um uh tried to ignore the the stuff of not but not belonging and all of that and being shorter than everybody else all of that i think coalesced after that uh and after the war and i think that's when in in earnest the twilight zone was born he tried to sell it as a radio uh, anthology series to a guy named Walter Schwimmer, who was a radio syndicator, and I talked to this guy Schwimmer, and he said, I have two claims to fame in my life. One is, I got this proposal from this young aspiring writer named Rod Serling for something called The Twilight Zone. I told him, nah, it'll never work. (laughs) And the other is, I I kept getting bothered by this uh, young comedian who wanted me to give him a show. And I thought, nah, this guy's got nothing. His name was Danny Thomas. 